Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Moses, he said, you write all these things down in the book, and he said, I want you to rehearse it. I want you to rehearse it in their ears. They didn't just hear it one time. They heard it two times, three times, four times, so on and so forth. He rehearsed it in their ears. And so about every other year or something like that, I always come back to our mission as a church, uh, which if you have ever been here during that teaching, then you're here for it again. But our mission as a church is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant. And to harvest. That is the mission of your church. Amen. And so it is good. We will over the next four Sundays or five. Amen. However, you know, however slow I am. But we'll over the next few uh, Sundays be looking at our mission again. Because we want to be uh, in contact with our mission. We want what we do uh, around here to have the thrust of our mission in it. And so it's good as Christians. Is this a place that you attend to know what that is for yourself? Amen. To know how you should identify, amen, even with the church. And so that is our mission today. Today we're going to be looking at uh, to love as God loves. To love as God loves. How many would like to love as God loves? Now, you've just, just, you have just went hook, line, and sinker into something very, very, uh, that demands something of us. To love as God loves. That says a lot. But I'm going to pray today. Amen. It's good to see the different ones. It's good to have uh, the Swatsley family. Amen. With us today in the house of the Lord. And it's good to see Natalia. Amen. And Skylar today as well. So glad to have them. Amen. And the different ones. Sister Sharon, good to see you well again. Amen. Just stay well. Let it be a deep well. Amen. Let it be a deep well. In the name of Jesus, let's pray today that the Lord would help us and touch us. Father, we come before you today. We're so thankful, Lord, for being here. We're thankful, Lord Jesus, for being able to come into your presence with thanksgiving and praise and adoration to the King of glory. I pray, oh Lord, today, touch every mind and every heart. Help us, God, to be mindful, Lord, of you, God. Lord, anoint my mind today. Help me, Lord Jesus, to be sensitive, God, to what you may want, Lord, and have, God, in this service, Lord, as we, Lord, reacquaint ourselves again Lord Jesus reacquaint ourselves again Lord Jesus to the word of the Lord God you're able to do it Lord exceedingly and abundantly God among us today in the name of Jesus Christ I pray amen and amen everybody say amen amen Amen. God bless you today in Jesus name to love as God loves again uh, just for the history this was years ago I even don't know how many years ago Bishop he he may be able to tell you, but it's been eons of time, eons of time ago that uh, the Lord moved upon Bishop. This is when he was still pastor and uh, put together the mission statement for uh, at that time. It was the Kingsburg Pentecostal Church. Amen. Now, since we moved in town, the first apostolic church. Amen. But uh, put upon his heart what the mission of this church is. And I believe it is very biblical. It's a very biblical mission statement about us loving people and winning souls and equipping those souls and then sending them back out into the world as we know it to plant and to harvest. But that statement, the statement to love as God loves, if you if we were just to say uh, we are the first apostolic church and we love or we are just a person and we love. Whenever you say the word love, that automatically becomes uh, subjective to each and every individual. Everybody has their own idea about what love is or what about what love is not. They have their own definition, if you will, of love. Some believe that love is a, a feeling while there's others that know that love is a choice. But whenever that statement is to love as God loves, that changes the whole dynamic of the concept of love because now we have an anchor point. We have an anchor point for the love, and it's to love as God loves. So that changes everything. That changes the intensity of our love. That changes the consistency of our love. That changes the type of love that we have. It's not just a familiar love that we have among our family or a friendship love, but it's the love of God that is working through us, amen, hopefully working through us to reach out to mankind. In Scripture, uh, the fancy word for it is the agape love of God. 
There are other loves that are spoken of Scripture, but the love of God that's denoted in Scripture is the agape type of love of God. And the special thing about God's love is this. God's love is unconditional. God's love is unconditional. In other words, you don't meet a certain criteria or meet a certain condition and then God loves you. But before you had any conditions met, before you met any criteria, God loved you. As a matter of fact, God loved us all, amen, while we were making our mistakes. God loved us all when we were in our pit, if you will, of sin and despair. That's the love of God. And so since God loves like that way, we want to also example and take that type of love upon our lives as a church and love people in our community, love people that come in our doors with the love of God. That says uh, uh, you don't have to meet a certain set of conditions or criteria in order for us to love you. We love you because God loves you. Someone's, it's okay if you want to say amen. If not, that's okay. But we want to love you because the way that God loves you. This unconditional, Leslie Parrott said this. He said the unconditional love is expressed in abounding goodwill toward people who may or may not have earned it and may or may not accept it. The unconditional love of God says you you don't have to earn this love. This love comes to you whether you earn it or not. But even more importantly, whether you accept it or not. You ever been around somebody that didn't accept the love that you was wanting to show? You almost could feel it a little bit. And then our attitude as humans is a fooey on you. Right? Go sell your ship. But the love of God says, I know, I know that they're not reciprocating this. I know that they might be even mean-spirited toward this. But I'm going to love them in spite of that. Going to love them in spite of that. I want you to know, there's plenty of people, even in our Bible today, the Scriptures, that God showed love to that they for sure did not love Him in return to begin with. But after consistently loving them, you know what most of the time happened? Love won out. The unconditional love of God won out. And so agape love, is the love that is granted to someone, here's, this is important, who needs to be loved. So, Brother McGee, we all need to be loved. I understand that we all do need to be loved. But there are some that have never even experienced true love. Not from their parents, not from their relatives, not from a spouse. And they've come sometimes into the back double doors of the church, amen, having not ever experienced that. And they are the people that we need to love because they need to be loved. Amen. And here's the thing. Not everybody, let's just brass tacks, not everybody you love is going to be attractive. Not everybody you love is going to be lovable. Let's put it in the church environment. Not everybody you love is going to smell well. Not everybody you love that you come for, they come forth for prayer, their breath is going to smell like Crest toothpaste. I'm just saying today. But the love of God says, I am, I am side, I'm putting that to the side right now because there is a person, more importantly, as God oftentimes states in scriptures, and even as Paul did, being on the ship that he was on, he said, there are souls. Beyond the flesh and blood, there is a soul that needs saving. There is a soul that's going to spend eternity somewhere. You know what they need to experience? Their time here upon the earth? The love of God. But the fact of the matter is, Jesus Christ, his earthly ministry is over. He ascended up into heaven. So the only hands and feet he still has here on the earth, guess whose it is? Ours. Amen. Our hands and our feet. And so we got to love what you may consider the unattractive, the unlovable, amen, we must love them as God loves them. And we cannot be artificial. Cannot be artificial in our love. My wife knows if I'm hugging her and really hugging her. You understand? She's like, what's that? You know, it's like hugging a dead corpse. <laughs> you can tell. When it's genuine or when it isn't genuine. And people can tell when they walk into this place whether they're feeling a genuine love or whether they are not. And so we need to love them. The reality is, amen, 
if they don't find what they need, because this is where a lot of people are in society, they are looking for love. They are looking for love. And Sister Jessup, they're looking for love in a variety of places. And so that's where we that's where we have our, our, our addicts and that's where we have people in, 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 in multiple relationships. And that's where we have people, whatever you want to call it, all these different things. What are they looking for? They're looking for love. They're looking for something to fill the void, fill the hole. They're looking for something that will, you know, pay back to them what they invest in it. But when they get done with the drug, they find themselves, you know, more empty. When they get done with the relationships, none of them amount to what they need to mount up to. But I guarantee you this, if we can show the love of God and create an atmosphere of love, when people can come in, they're going to say, hold on, wait a minute. This is something I've never felt before. I've tried all kinds of things. I've, I've experienced all kinds of pseudo false loves, but this, there's something genuine about this there's something true about this that's the type of love as a church we need to convey amen the type of love that people are looking for most people want to be loved unconditionally most people want to be loved unconditionally amen people are begging for attention they are watch a few YouTube videos amen People are begging for attention. They're screaming for love. I would say even more, most uh, uh, premarital sexual relationships are people that search him for love. Didn't have it maybe from a mother or a father, and they're trying to find it through a man or through a woman. Amen. Mm-hmm. Other people do stuff to their bodies for the purpose of being noticed. What is it really? They're looking for love. Drawing attention to look for love. And the fact is, they're not real choosy about their love. Because they just want somebody. They need somebody. Wouldn't that be a great place for the church to step in? I mean, seeing that we have that dynamic, seeing that we have that dynamic in our society, in that world, that people's really not choosy about what they'll get. Wouldn't that be a great place for the church to step in and say, hey, we'll love you. Hey, we'll, we'll pay attention to you. Hey, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll do this for you. The Bible says in Romans 13 and verse number 8, I believe this is before you today, it says, Oh, no man anything. Everybody say anything. Everybody's thinking about that dollar they owe back to somebody and that tool you have in your shed that blows somebody else. Oh, no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. No man owe anybody anything except to love one another. Look at verse number 10. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Owe no man anything. Don't owe any man. Don't owe any man a debt. Don't, don't owe any man a debt. Don't, don't owe them money. Don't, don't owe them resources. Don't owe them back their possession that you have borrowed. Don't owe anybody anything except, and this is always just, just stands out to me, don't owe anyone anything except the debt of loving them. Amen. Except the debt. In other words, always owe them love. You know what that tells me? You can never love enough. Oh, yeah. You can never love enough. If you want to owe them something, owe them the fact that you need to keep on loving them. You never finish paying the debt of love. You never finish paying the debt of love. Not only that, love, the Bible said, is the only law that you need. We've looked at this many times. Love is the only law you need. Why? Because everything is based upon love. Whenever the lawyer came and asked the Lord, which is the greatest of the commandments, you know, is it this one, is it that one? And the Lord said, it's basically, you know, just two, if you want to know which is the, the greatest of the commandments. And he stated it basically in two phrases. Number one, love God. Number two, love people. And he says, upon those two, hang all the commandments, all the 613 commandments that they had, all of those commandments hang upon those two commandments. And so in reality, love was the fulfilling of the law. Because if you get your love with God right, and your love with people, right? Everything else seems to iron out in the process. And so we come to church to love God, but we cannot forget to love people. Amen? Lest we fall prey like the priest and the Levite who went by the Good Samaritan on the road that did their worship at the temple but couldn't do their attention toward a man that was fallen among thieves, the Bible says. 
Amen. And so we need to love God and we need to love people. Galatians 5.14 says it like this. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. One word. I mean, that's, I mean, read Leviticus. That's a bunch of law, you know. Read Leviticus. I'm going to sum up Leviticus this morning in one word. Love. He said, all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So there is a reason we need to love as God loves. Number one, people that walk in these doors that may have never experienced that type of love. A love that is not out to get or take advantage of. Huh? Because most people probably say, I've experienced that love. I've been a part of a love that took advantage of me, part of a love that, that was out to get me. But whenever you come to the church, it's not, a, it's not a love to try to take advantage of you or out to get you. Amen. Because people, the reality is people enter the church house doors for very various reasons. And a lot of times people enter churches is because there's something going on in their lives. They enter the church because something is going on in their lives or there's some hunger that they can't satisfy or their life has been battered, if you will, by different circumstances and situations. They've been knocked down a few times. Their self-esteem has been wounded and has been shot. And they're, they're, they're just at the bottom of, of life, if you will. They're trying to reach up for the, the low row on the shelf. Amen. Because they've been into de deceived into believing that they are not good enough for anything else. Huh? That they're not good enough for anything else. Amen. And so they come to the church and they're needing, they're needing love. Amen. We even see this in God's word. We read in the epistles, the apostle Paul, he's writing to the church at Corinth, a church at Corinth, and it has all kinds of mess to deal with. There's all kinds of stuff going on in the church. And on any, any, any given day, there's a lot of stuff going on in the church. <laughs> I'm not talking about the physical building. That too sometimes. But there's a lot of stuff going on in the church. Paul speaks about there was divisions in the church. Paul speaks about there were those that were involved in fornications that were in the church. He spoke about those. There were people talking about taking their brother or their sister to court. That was happening in the context of the church. So there's a lot of confusion that was taking place, a lot of chaos that was taking place. But in all of this setting of what seems to be nuts, Chaos going on in the church. Paul admonished this very thing to them in 1 Corinthians 8 and 1. Paul told them, he said, charity, which is love. He said, charity edifieth. Or charity or love builds up. One translator said it like this. What is really needed to build the church is love. Huh? He says, I know we got isms over here and schisms over here and chaos over here and we got things that are not quite right over here he says I'll tell you the solution to it let's love he said love will build up the church love love will build up the church not just those in it but those that will approach it love will build up the church what does that mean that anybody can walk through the doors broken Anybody can walk through the doors confused. Anybody can walk through the doors with a low self-esteem. But if there'll be a spirit of love here, it can take the broken pieces and build them back up. It can take the low self-esteem and elevate it again in a place of confidence. If there is the love, someone say amen. amen. The love of God in the house of God, it will edify. It can build up the broken down. Amen. It can give hope to the hopeless. Amen. We can build them up, though, with love. And it will bring harmony then among her parts. Harmony among her members. Matter of fact, Paul is so convinced about the power of the love of God that whenever he ended his letter of 1 Corinthians 16, he ended his letter and he said, let all your things be done with charity or be done with love. He said, let everything that you do be done with love. Bishop, that's a great way, amen, for the incorporation of our mission then. That tells me as a church, we need to let any and every aspect of the church to be bathed with love. We teach with love. We preach with love. We do family game night with love. We canvas our community putting door knockers on with love. We even chastise with love. We chastise with love. We give home Bible studies with love. We allow somebody to park in our parking spot with love. Allow somebody to sit in our seat with love. Now 
we're getting to the nitty-gritty, aren't we? Amen. Let, it all, let all your things be done with charity, with love. Romans 15 and verse 7. Wherefore, Romans 15 and verse 7. Wherefore, receive ye one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. He says, receive one another as Christ received you. Woo! Tall order. So, let me ask you a question. Whenever God received you, was you a full happy meal with a side of fries and a toy? Uh-huh. No. No, no, no. You, you, you probably had some lacking. Huh? But he received you, didn't he? Nonetheless, he received you. And he says, so as I have received you, he says, I'm giving you the example. As I have received you, so receive one another. Folks, this is what sometimes as humans, we're you and I understand that. But what we do sometimes is we forget how Christ received us or how we were when Christ did receive us. And then as we go along in this journey, there are moments, Sister, Sister uh, Roberts, that then I am not as willing to receive somebody in the same place or similar place that I once was when God received me. I don't know if it's years of time of being in the church and praising the Lord and all that that causes me to forget, Sister Rhonda, but sometimes we lose, we lose contact with where we were when he found us. Amen. But on the flip side of it, if he's willing to receive them there, then who am I not to receive them? If he's willing to open his arm, if he's willing to extend a hand, then who am I not to extend a hand? If God is willing to do it, his church which is a part of his body, should be willing to do it. Because by and large, he didn't make me the mediator to see whether or not I just send the ones that are acceptable to him to receive. It's not like they got to come to me first. Well, I don't know. Yes, no, no, yes. And I send him to God, and then he receives whoever I send him. Uh Uh-uh. It's more like God sends them to me. And he's like, I receive it, I receive it, I receive it. Broken, low self-esteem, whatever, financially strapped. I receive him, I receive him. And he gives him to the church, our church, at 1121 Cedar Street. He allows him to walk in the door. He says, I received him, are you? He's not picky about who comes to be redeemed. Amen? <laughs> he doesn't respect one person above another person. Or beyond another one. He receives them all the same way. The path to salvation is the same for all, right? It's still repentance and baptism in Jesus' name, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. That's the plan of salvation. That is the same for all. There's not like one set of rules for this classification per se of sin or that classification, per se, you know. And so you got to do this, but you got to do this a little differently because you were further away from God. What's that? If you're one iota from God, we all are far. Okay, here we go, right? You steal a stick of gum from the candy store. You commit murder. Which is the worst sin? The same. In the eyes of God, now your, your law of the land, they are going to judge it at a different level. But in God's eye, sin is sin. Humanity, sometimes we see the highs and lows. Oh, but that, did you hear what that person did? The grapevine goes, Phew, I can't believe it. My God. I can't believe they even, who in the world? They walk in the church, the walls are going to fall down. I've never seen church walls fall down because a sinner walked into them. Sin is sin. And so he's able to accept each and every one of it. There's not a different plan for you. There's not a different love for you. It's the self-same love. And so that shouldn't just give us then a, t- a tenacity as a church just to love. But anybody that's sitting under the sound of my voice this morning that may have come into this place looking for that love, let me tell you something. The, the love that each of us have received, you can receive. And the plan that was for anybody else in this place is the same plan for you. Nobody comes up a different way or through a different angle. God is looking for you today. And he's interested in you just how you are and the condition that you are right now. But he's wanting to love you through it. Someone say amen. The Song of Solomon, great love chapter book in reality. Great love book of the Bible, the Song of Solomon. It is a poem in many respects. 
It's a poem, and there is a dialogue going on in the Song of Solomon. There's a dialogue between Solomon and someone by the name of the Shulamite, it calls her. It calls her the place from which she is from, the Shulamite. And these are the two characters. And sometimes there's some other people involved in the dialogue, but mainly it is Solomon and the Shulamite. And they, in many regards, in many ways, the Lord is setting a model in the Song of Solomon, a model of what he, Christ, and his church looks like. The relationship between him and his bride. He kind of models it for us in this story. And so the Bible tells us that in 1 Kings 4, that the Song of Solomon, or Solomon rather, Solomon wrote 1,005 uh, uh, songs or 1,005 Poems. He was an author, Mike. He had his name in some of those books, you know, of authoring 1,005 songs. But the, the book of the Bible, the Song of Songs, was the best of those 1,005 songs that he had written. It, it, was, it was designated the best possible musical work that Solomon had ever done, the finest song. And amazingly, that song is a song about love. It was the greatest, it was the best, it was the one that was the highest esteemed. It was a song about love. The love that Solomon had for the Shulamite, listen, before she was even ever his wife. It's the love that he had toward her before she was ever his wife. Conveying to us the love that God has for a people that are not even his bride yet. Someone hear me? Not even his bride yet. Look what the Bible says in the Song of Solomon, chapter 1 and verse number 5. The Bible says, this is the Shulamite speaking. She says, I am black but comely, O ye daughters of Jerusalem, as the tents of Kedar, as the curtains of Solomon. Verse 6, she says, look not upon me because I am black, because the sun hath looked upon me. My mother's children were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards, but mine own vineyard have I not kept. So what's going on here is the Shulamite, she's thinking about the compassion and the love that Solomon is wanting to put upon her. And you know what she's dealing with? Bad self-esteem. She doesn't feel like she's worthy to receive the love of Solomon. She doesn't feel, she says, she says, I'm, I'm black. What she is conveying, she was a vine dresser. She says, I've been doing everybody else's vineyard and not been, you know, handling mine own. But while I've been doing that, of course, she's exposed to the sun. And uh, like an old farmer, you know, her, 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 her skin has become leathered and it's become very dark. And so she says, I'm out here and I, I'm a blackened vine grower. The sun has had its, had its rays upon me and I've been in a dirty environment. I, I'm among the vines. I, you know, I go home at night and I got dirt underneath my fingernails and, you know, in the creases of my hand. And, and you're, you're, you're. You're, you're King Solomon. You, you had the pomp of the palace, you know, all, all the fineries, if you will, of the palace, amen, from where you're from. And who are you to look down upon somebody like me and have interest in me whenever I'm among the dirt all day and you're among the palace? You're royalty and I'm just a, a mean old little servant out here among the vines and I, I just don't feel very confident that I could actually be yours. God is picturing something here of he and his church. Because many of us, when we came to God, we thought, man, I'm not worthy. None of us are worthy. I'm not worthy of his love. None of us are worthy. He, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the creator of all things. He, the heavenlies are his dwelling. And I'm just an earthling here. And I, I, I don't know, God, how in the world could you? He does love you today. Amen. He is interested in you. Look what he says in Song of Solomon 4 and verse number 7. He says, thou art all fair. Thou art all fair, my love. There is no spot in thee. Woo! That's Solomon talking to the Shulamite. That's Christ, if you will, talking to his church. He says, thou art all fair, my love. There is no spot in thee. <laughs> if he wasn't speaking in the moment, he was speaking in a moment to come. Amen? Because you know what he was doing? Trying to allay her insecurities. Trying to allay her insecurities, most notably of her past life. 
Her past life had imposed the darkened skin. Her past life had imposed, if you will, the dirt underneath her fingernails. Amen. But he's saying, listen, I want to speak to your insecurities of your past life. He says, I love you and I want you to become my bride. And whenever all of this takes place and happen, he said, you're not going to have to worry about having your fingers in the dirt anymore. They're going to be in the palace. You're not going to have to somebody hear me today in other words he says I don't see no spot in thee in other words he's saying this is all going to change this is turning around he says I'm looking if I can put it in the words of Christ in his church I'm looking through the veil of my own blood Isaiah said you whose sins were red as scarlet amen he will make them what white as snow hallelujah under the blood of the Lord, under the blood of Christ, when you come to know the Lord, amen, he looks at your life and all of those past sins and past stains, he's looking at you through his own blood and all he sees, there's no spot in them. Why? Because what was owed is made new. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. That doesn't mean you didn't have a past. You had one. But it's not what's at the surface right now. That's not what's important. That's not what's being seen. Because you have been covered by the blood of your groom someone say amen look what it says in song of solomon 2 and verse 4 the bible says he brought me this is the shulamite she says he brought me to the banqueting house and his banner over me was his banner over me was love christ's banner over us has been love does that love remove the fact that her skin had been leathered by the sun? Huh? Does that, does that banner remove the fact the circumstances of her past of being a vine dresser of everybody else's vines? No. But that banner means that in spite of those imperfections, in spite of those imperfections, he still chose to love her. And he sees through his love. That she can be the desired bride and wife that he desires to have. Song of Solomon. There, there are a few of the books of the Bible that were knowingly read at certain feast times that the Jews have. And the Song of Solomon was one of the five scrolls that was read by the Jews, particularly at the Feast of Passover, at the Feast of Passover. And the reason why is, is that the fact that this song is about love or its main theme is about love as this dialogue between, between a man and a woman, it underscores this. It underscores the importance of that there must be, because there's a lot of communication going on in the Song of Solomon in this love book. There must be communication. Everybody say communication. In developing a relationship and in maintaining a relationship. That's true for marriage. That's true for friendship. That's true for relationships within the church. Amen? There must be communication. That's what Solomon says. We have this love thing. There's a lot of dialogue going on. Dialogue is important to convey love. Dialogue is important to, to, to uh, impress that love. And so communication is important to this love thing. And so what that comes down to is this. Whenever people come into the house of the Lord, it's not like they walk in like the stranger in the saloon and everybody's got to turn their head around and say, well, who's that coming in? <laughs> or for that matter, Avoid them like the plague. All right? Because, see, it's easy to talk to Mike Penrod and the Johnsons over here because we have history. Amen? What do you do the other day? I know Mike likes to hunt. He likes to fish whenever it's that time of the year. He collects scrap. Huh? There's some things I know. He loves to cook. He loves to can all kinds of good stuff that he shares with y'all. I know all this about him. So I can pick up on any of those and have conversation. I can talk to the Johnson family because I got history with them. And their boys are in sports. I've been doing some traveling here lately, playing these games. Amen. I know where uh, Brother Johnson works. I know he's doing some work on his house right now that his wife wants him to get done by a certain time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I could start right there. And there. 
But whenever you have someone that comes in, foreign to you, foreign to everybody, we don't watch ourselves. I'll go to the Mike Penrod and the Johnsons and have a conversation because I'm comfortable with that. I know them rather than to get to know. Rather than to get to know somebody I don't know. I know some of you are as backward as whatever. But you know what? I'm not like the most forthright person. You say, well, you're a preacher, you're a pastor. Well, listen, uh, that's helped me out, out a lot over the, a lot of years now, 20-some-odd years. Wow, I'm getting old. But uh, what I'm saying is it's important in order to love to communicate. In order to love to communicate. Amen. Who is that? I mean, what is their name? We, we, need, we need to slap ourselves on the back of the hands. As someone would come here just a couple times and we don't know their name. Amen. Well, causing me to sweat up here a little bit. Amen. The Bible says in 1 John 4, in verse number 19, we love him, speaking of God, because he first loved us. We love him. We love God because he first loved us. As a matter of fact, 1 John is, man, a big love chapter. I mean, I think it's like 27 times or so that 1 John has the love uh, theme that's popping up. But we love him because he first loved us. And so here's the fact of the matter. Sometimes, and this is a little saying that I oftentimes say, sometimes we have the tail wagging the dog rather than the dog wagging the tail. We really just think a little bit too much of ourselves sometimes as a church. And we think automatically that people should just love this church. They just should love First Apostolic Church. Because, you know, in our mind, what is there not to love, Sister Roberts? I mean, come on. What is not to love? But the Bible says we loved God because he first loved us. And sometimes if you're wanting that love them to love your place of worship and love your church, you're going to have to reach out of your comfort zone and you're going to have to love them first. Amen. Love them first. But if people loved God simply because he first loved them, then I believe it's agreeable. I believe it's absolutely commendable then for the church that the moment that someone you know, walks in, never been here before, you know what they need to feel? That unconditional love of God. Because in reality, our human love was nothing more but a response to his divine love. The Bible talks about him coming down. And he came down so that someday we might be able to go up. What, what, what happened? He, he made the path. Amen. And so as a church, we need to make the path to people. We need to make the path, amen, to those that walk into our services. We want them to love us. If that's the case, we must be actively, intentionally, Amen. About the love, showing them the love of God. Because love can win over. Love can win over people. My wife won me over, Summer, by love. Don loved me when I was uncertain about how I felt about her and our relationship. One thing about her, she's a little bit more forthright than I am. And so whenever she came waltzing into my life, there was a winter warm-up service that we had in Kentucky, and we had that winter warm-up service. And then after that, we went to a YMCA, and there was basketball and racquetball and all these other things uh, that we were doing. And we were just two young pups. And I mean, that literally, she was, I think she was uh, maybe 15. I was around 14, so we were young. And so, you know, I never had a girlfriend in the entirety of my life. If you want to count Sally in the kindergarten who pushed me in the coat rack, and that's what put me off on girls right from the start. I'm serious. Her name was Sally. She pushed me in the coat rack. I thought she was beautiful. But tell you what, the days for girls ended that day right there, buddy. You get pushed in a coat rack, it's over, I'm telling you. So it kept it all damned up in me until, you know, I was 14 years old. You want to talk about having an impact on a guy's life. And so I'm here and, you know, uh, Dawn, I don't know this girl from anywhere. She's from Tennessee, you know. I'm from Indiana. This girl here comes up to me and, um, but notes from me, there's some orchestration going on by the Masons. 
we can talk about them because they're not here today. But uh, orchestration going on by the Masons. But Don comes up to me and says, you want to play racquetball? Now listen, I'm 14, right? 14. Listen to my response, Mr. Schwatzley. I said, well, I'm tired. <laughs> now what 14-year-old do you know in your ever-living mind that's tired? I mean, he got to have a physical condition if he's tired. I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm just really tired. You know, we've been doing all this stuff. And so I just, I wasn't knowing how to accept what was going on right here. You know, she's invading my bubble. And she, she didn't leave it alone, though. She says, would you like to do this? Do you like to do that? Da, 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 da. And so I never experienced this before. I grew up with four sisters. I knew how they could be, this woman thing. So I didn't know really, Sister Sister Roberts, how to, to, how to properly respond, but because of her persistence, even in that night, I finally went to play racquetball. I drug my tired body in there, laced up my shoes and played racquetball. Amen. But she won me over. Why? Because she continued to love me even whenever I wasn't responding to her love. Amen. And so now, 22 years, here we are going on later and still playing racquetball. Amen. Amen. Unknown person said this, said the best, best thing about ministry is people. And the worst thing about ministry is people. <laughs> You're always going to have people to deal with. Whether you, you own a business or a job or you work somewhere, you go to school or you come to a church, you're always going to have people to deal with. And there are going to be the good days and there's going to be the not so good days. But if you can love them through their not so good days, maybe they'll help love you through your not so good days. Because uh, just the same way, and I've said this before, but just the same way we could leave any church and say, well, bless God, such and such or so and so didn't treat me right. You could leave your work for the same reason, wherever you go to school for the same reason, whatever club you're part of for the same reason. But you know what? In a family, you understand this. There's going to be times like that, but we love each other through it. And we're still family. Someone say amen. Matthew 26 and verse 2. I got to hurry, don't I? I'm dragging my feet today. It's all right. Start talking about love. Woo. Matthew 26 verse 2. The Bible says, you know that after two days is the feast of Passover. And the Son of Man is to be, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. Skip down to verse number 20, if you will, of that same chapter. Now, when the even was come, he sat down with the twelve, and as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. You'll hear me bring this up oftentimes whenever uh, we, at the beginning of the year, of, 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 uh, we do our media fast and we do uh, communion and foot washing and things of that. The thing that always gets me when I read this, uh, Sister. Uh, Roberts is that the Lord was willing to wash the feet of somebody he knew was going to betray him. That is love. He was willing to wash the feet of Peter, who he knew was going to deny him three times. That's love. He washed the feet of all the disciples who he knew by the end of the night. The Bible said they all fled. They left him alone by himself in the hour in which he needed them the most. Everybody's gone. And yet that did not keep him from loving them. Whew. To love as God loves. To love as God loves. Oh, he, I heard, that's something I read the other day. He said, he said I believe the reason why uh, Christ told us to love our enemies is because on any given day, your friend can become your enemy. So to love those that betrayed me, yeah. you know, we, we have a tiff. Yeah. I've got to love him. Yeah. Got to love him through it. Mm -hmm. yeah. I know they said, number one thing, you don't always trust everything that you heard that supposedly somebody said about you. Okay. I'd take that with a grain of salt. But nevertheless, let's say they did. You've got to be able to love as God loves and love each other through it. The verse, and we touched up on this, it seems like here recently, of Luke 6.36, the epitome of God loving us, or loving as God loves, for if you love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. You're not doing anything. If you're just reciprocating love, that isn't anything. But can you give it when it's not coming back? 
That's the unconditional love of God. Stand with me this morning. I'll bring this to a close today. If the book of Philemon in the New Testament scripture, very short little book, Philemon, very short. But it is, in essence, a story of the love of God. It's the love of God being tested. It's the love of God being tested. The Bible says that Philemon, as it was in that day, many times, Philemon hosted a church in his house. He had a house church. That man, they didn't really have buildings, much like we are, unless there's a synagogue that happened. But, you know, the, the people were the church. And so he, had, he hosted a church in his home. And, and Philemon was loved. More importantly, Philemon was someone that could be trusted. So he was trusted. He was loved. He showed kindness to people. He showed kindness particularly to God's people. And if you read Philemon, if you read verse 5, the Bible says that he had love toward all saints. That's very commendable. And due to his love, verse number 7 tells us, the saints were refreshed by him because of the love that he had. And then Paul, Paul addressed Philemon in verse number 9. Paul, Paul said that he had besought Philemon on this matter. The matter he's talking about, there was a man by the name of Onesimus. He sought, he sought Philemon about Onesimus for love's sake. In other words, he wanted Philemon to accept Onesimus back into his household. Paul could have demanded it. He could have said, Philemon, because he was his elder, he said, Philemon, you're going to take this man and you're going to love him, so on and so forth. But he didn't do that. He just, he besought him. He asked him on Onesimus' behalf that Philemon would take him back in his house and love him for love's sake on the platform of love. And so Paul knew Philemon. You know what he knew? This is what the Bible says. You can read in your Bibles, verse 21. This is great. Paul knew something about Philemon. He knew that if I give Onesimus into Philemon's care, this is what the word says, that, that Philemon would do more than I asked of him for Onesimus. Not because I asked him to do that level, but because that's the type of love that man has. He's going to go above and beyond what I even required and asked of him, and he's going to do that. I hope today, I hope that God can look down upon us and say, I can entrust people, and maybe he would even give us some names, that I can entrust people with them because since I've asked them to care for them, I know they're going to go above and beyond even what I ask. That I know they're going to show them the love that I have toward them, but they're going to take it to another degree because that's just the type of people they are. I hope that, God, I can be guilty of loving people. Amen. I want to be guilty of loving people because when we think of God's love, amen, God's love is spontaneous. God's love, if you think about it, it's universal. It's all canvassing. God's love is long-suffering, which means it's patient. patient amen it's self-sacrificing it's aggressive meaning that it has action it's just not like a passive love it's like sister mcgee asking me if i want to do this want to do that (laughs) but more importantly than anything it is constant it is constant if we embow our heads this morning we are the first apostolic church we are and what we claim is to love as god loves again we do this Every other year or so, we come back to this. Why? We need to remember. We need to remember what our mission is, to love as God loves. I'm asking you this morning, who is within your circle? Who's within your arm reach on a week-by-week basis that may need the love of God shown to them? I'm not talking about being deserving of it. I'm talking about who needs it. Who needs the love of God shown to them? We want to be the church, amen, that loves as God loves. I don't want them to feel the the love of my impression, but I want them through us to be able to feel and experience the love of God. I'm here today, and I'm talking to every single one of us. As a church, we need to show that. But if you are here today, if you're here today as our guest this morning, I want you to know that this is a place, amen, that desires to love you as God loves you. We've not asked you to come in here today, amen, as you first walk into this building and here's the criteria or the condition in order to worship with us bless God no you can come in with whatever baggage you may have you can come in with whatever circumstances you may have and we're going to show you the love of God the love that says that while we were all yet 
sinners Christ died for us not a big sin little sin medium sin but sin overall that he died for each and every one of us and he's reaching for you sir he's reaching for you ma'am and he wants you to know that he loves you hallelujah and that he's capable of helping you on your journey called life can we begin to pray this morning all across this place can the church family begin to pray today can you lift up your voice and just tell God God help us to be a people that will love like you love and if you've come today needing to experience that love I'm asking you today open up your mind open up your heart amen to experience the love of God hallelujah church family come on let's cry out to the Lord this morning God we need you today I pray oh God help us Lord Jesus to example and show and share Lord your love help us God to be intentional oh Lord help us oh God to be intentional and consistent oh God Lord let it be unconditional oh Lord today there's people within our realm Lord Jesus God of everyday life that there's people Lord with self esteem that have been destroyed and have tried a multitude of different things to find love or to find Lord hope or to find answers I pray oh God today let the church house Lord God be that answer let the church house God be that vehicle Lord Jesus of your love help us God just to allow your love to flow through us to somebody that's in need of experiencing the love I pray oh God today Lord we need to feel it Lord we came to you because you first came to us help us God to example that by going to those that are in need of it God who knows Lord Jesus God when love will touch the heart of somebody that is hungry Lord for something different for something aside from what they've experienced thus far Lord in their earthly journey I pray oh God today Lord instill hope in the hearts of those that may feel like there isn't any hope Lord instill Lord Jesus I pray God a possibility of a change in the lives of those that feel like they're stuck in a rut God that's beyond change I pray oh Lord reach down to where they are today and help them feel the love of God Lord Jesus overshadow them oh thank you Lord for loving us and help us God to show love to somebody else God that's in need in the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ I pray hallelujah 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 and the church say amen hallelujah amen we want to love as God loves Hallelujah. There is service here tonight at 6 o'clock. There is no leadership today. Of course, the Masons are out of town. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.